When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So for the first time ever, we see uh, the all abilities of the women and the men play for the Australian Open title at the same time on the same golf courses. It was a bold, ambitious plan from Golf Australia and all others involved. Mike Clayton has been out there caddying controversially on the Saturday. We'll have a chat about all of that. But watching the whole thing um, play out, there's been mixed reports about the success uh, of the operation. Mixed? There has. Been no. A lot of, no, about some of the logistics of it all. There was a, f- a few issues that next time around will probably be tidied up. Oh, let's, but they're, they're not about the whole we ask tournament. My, shall we ask Mike Clayton about it, given the oh, fact that he's joined us on the show? Mixed. No mixed. <laughs> it was all positive. Thank you. you. You do just – you live constantly on the sunny side of the street, and that's why we love you. No. Michael, good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Andrew, how is it? How did it play out? From I mean, broadly speaking, we could drill down into a whole lot of the sort of micro stuff, but from a um, broad perspective, how did it play out? I thought it was okay, but with faults. So the, the women's field was obviously much weaker than it had been over the last X number of years because there's been an LPGA event. So mm. I think one year we had 48 of the best 50 women in the world. So because it wasn't LPGA, the women's field was much diminished. Um, but the top 30 women who played were very good, and it was a terrific tournament. You know, Ashley Buai was the British Open champion, beat G.I. Shin, who... If Gio Shin played on the LPGA Tour, she'd probably be number one in the world if yeah. she plays in Japan. Yeah. Um, so Grace Kim was great. As a young kid who's just got a card on the LPGA Tour, she made seven up the last hole but and finished, I think, third or fourth, one or the other. But she played really well, mm. uh, which was great. Um, I have a big problem with cutting to 30 men on Sunday because I think that's too small. I, you know, I think shown by... David Branson made a late bogey on Saturday, which let all the one-unders into the cut. So he was on two-under. He bogeyed it and got a one-under. So it was going to be an even 30 cut. But because he bogeyed it, he let all the one-unders in. Right. One of them was Alejandro Canazares. who went out and shot 64 and finished fourth. Yes. So that shows what's possible when you cut to such a small number. So so was the problem, Mike, was the problem, Mike, that on the Sunday, on a difficult course with the wind getting up, we had too many people out on the golf course? Well, you could, you could have had the same as we had on Saturday. I, I carried Rel with smiling. We were played with Cameron Davis. We were first off the 10th at 6.30. So if the same happened, you know, we could have got around in, you know, in well, we, you know, in three and a half hours, you know, we finished by 11 before the weather got really bad, if they'd shot low scores and, and the weather had got really bad on Sunday afternoon, then, you know, it's, it's wildly different. But that's the problem they have, I think. Yeah. But I just don't think you can run a national open and have 30, have a cut of 30 on Sunday. And I think, you know, the players, I think, generally didn't like that. I think they need to resolve that, whether the women start on Wednesday and finish on Saturday and the men start on Thursday and finish on Sunday or whether they play two consecutive weeks or uh, I don't know what you do. 
you know, it's a it's an economic problem with golf. It's not as there's not much corporate funding of golf, not like it used to be in the flying days of Greg Norman and when everyone watched commercial TV and performance made profit. So it, you know, it's a, it's an interesting problem that Golf Australia have to solve. But I think they, you know, I I just hate I detest the idea of paying the 30 players in, in an Australian Open on yeah, yeah, Sunday. Yeah. And they say and they say well we do that in the Vic Open. Well that's the Vic Open. The Vic Open is not that important in the scheme of things. The Australian Open is the Australian Open, and I don't think you can, you know, there's a guy who finished fourth who w- w- was a bogey away from not playing. Mm. And, you know, what could possibly go wrong? And, of course, the other thing that happened was Cameron Smith and Mark Leishman didn't play. Yep. So, yep. I mean, yep. someone said, well, play better. Well, you know, you want the Open champion to just play, you know, you know tell Cameron Smith to play better? Mm. You know, I mean... You can play sometimes on those sandbelt courses where the lines are so fine. You can play decently and be running 31st and miss the cut. You know, and, and you can also do what Kanazari did and go out and shoot 64 and finish, you know, in the, in the top five in the tournament. So I just, they need to fix that because the players will get fed up with it and get cross and it's just not going to work. I don't I, think. And yeah. Mike, yeah. you mentioned that you mentioned that uh, the status of the women's tournament wasn't L. PGA approved. Why? Why is that? Was it because of the the, the nature of the tournament? No, it's because their season's over and they're on. They're having holidays, and there, I mean, there were a bunch of LPGA players there, like Jennifer what? Kutcher, what? Kutcher, Kutcher, and but there, there are a lot it, because it's not official money. Then they're not inclined to fly halfway across the world as close to Christmas to play the Australian Open, which I think is a pity because. It, they, they would certainly be the best two courses they'd played all year. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not that much of a hardship to jump on a first-class flight and come to Melbourne for a week and play Kingston East and Victoria. So, but it's not sanctioned by the LPGA, LPGA, so you don't get the bulk of their very best players. So that diminished the women's field significantly. And, of course, it was it clashed with the LPGA Tour School, so some of the best Europeans are there. Europe played a tournament last week, so the best the European women could do was get here on Tuesday night, which meant they had to play or, or walk two courses on Wednesday because it's the well, well they could have played Kingston Heath on Wednesday because the prime was at, was at Victoria, so no, none of them came down because that's not you can't fly from London arrive Tuesday night, walk two courses and play Thursday and expect to put in a decent performance. Well, so they're all the logistical yeah. things that. Need to be solved. I think. Will it happen again, yeah. Michael? Do you think? Is it is getting the right date and dealing with these logistics? And there's others, but we don't have to drill into all of the other little bits and pieces. But do you think it'll happen again? Well, it sounds like they're committed to doing it at the Lakes and and, and the Australia next year. So I guess I'll do that and see how that goes, and um, we'll see what happens. But. You know, the, the, the question is, do you go to <clears throat> February, which is LPGA season, and fill the women's field up with LPGA players and co-sanction with the LPGA? Part of the problem with the LPGA is that the tournaments that are played outside of the US have to pay their airfares and hotels, yep. which is about, I think, $800,000. Yep. So that's a big chunk out of the budget. Um, so And if you play in February. I mean, you play now, you're not in PGA Tour season, but in February you are, but we've got, I mean, I think Adam Scott um, is always pretty committed to playing the Australian Open. 
uh, Cameron Smith and Leishman are live guys, so they're looking for somewhere to play. So I don't think the men's field will be that diminished if we played in February, and we would, and we'd probably get a better women's field. But that you know, that depends on doing a deal with the LPJ and paying up eight hundred thousand dollars to fire them all and stick them in a hotel for a week. So you know, golf tournaments are tricky things to run. They're expensive, and they, unlike the AFL season, where if you sponsor an AFL club, you get twenty. 25 weeks of exposure or whatever you get Mm. it's one week so and it's become solely dependent on government to sponsor golf really Mm. so you know the South Australian government's chucking in a truck out of cash for Norman's thing in at the Grange on in Adelaide (laughs) Um, yeah the Queensland government put in a lot of money to the Australian PGA which was great at Royal Queensland last week that was a terrific tournament or week before Mm. And the Victorian government obviously tipped quite a bit into the Australian home. So it's you know, it's become reliant on the government teed a bit. Yeah, mm. If we could get some corporate support, it would be it would help be helpful. Hey, hey Mike, uh, you, you mentioned uh, Elvis uh, Smiley, and we were talking. I was out there today, and we had a quick chat. Uh, he's this young up and coming, and you're been on the bag uh, caddying for him. Now, I was just curious when you are are you actually coaching him when you're on the bag because. The feedback you provided me after seeing one of my shots, and I'm thinking, if this is the way in which that you're going to respond to the man out there trying to cut his way through the professional circuit, I just think you might need to reconsider the the approach that you take. No, I'll give it to him when he needs it. Yeah, for those who don't know, Andy slashed a wicked puff off the um, 11th tee today, and I said, amazing how you can be so good at one sport and so bad at another one. It just shattered me. Shattered me. That was all right. Um, uh, no, look, I, I give him the numbers and, and we talk about clubs and shots and, you know, I'm trying to – I mean, I, I think Elvis is a – I think he's our best young player probably. You know, hits the ball beautifully, plays really well. He was 12th at the PGA a couple of weeks ago. Um, you know, he needs a break. It's t- the hardest thing about being a pro now is getting on a tour somewhere. Mm. So I carried for him at the first stage of the European Tour School where he shot 1,300 and finished second. And then someone else carried for him in the second stage where he shot 1,300 again and didn't make it. So Tour Schools are tough. Yeah. But he, he, he's got a great swing. He rips it. He plays well. You know, I think he's going to be a real star. But, you know, golf's a, it's a brutal game to predict how someone's going to, going to, going to do. And so he's playing... Cathedral Lodge these two days at the David Evans's Invitational. Then he's, there's a little tournament down at Warrigal this week, at Thursday to Sunday, and then he's playing the Sandbelt Tournament that Jeff Ogilvie and I run at Kingston Heathrow, Melbourne, Yarra Yarra and Peninsula. And you'd be mad if 19 through to the 22nd of December, mad if you don't get out and take access of those golf courses and the golfers playing them. Hey, Mike, time's on the flight. We've got to go. As always, thanks for um, giving up your time to have a chat. Okay, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Daisy. Good, good on you, Mike.